0: Right now on Truth Today, we're going to be talking about and be on alert um, warning about what's happening again within Christianity. Deceptions that are within the church within Christianity and how for you as a believer to be on guard. Also, we're going to be talking about my thoughts on the Israel Hamas so-called ceasefire prisoner exchange. And then also, you condemn Hamas, you'll get canceled. That and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, uh, good morning or good afternoon. Thank you for joining us here today. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian. Uh, We're glad you can be part of our program. And um, this is a platform that we're going to speak the truth in love. That's the purpose and mission of our ministry. That's the calling within the Word of God as a command. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love in order to equip the body of Christ. And this morning, I want to bring up that topic, uh, a a sort of a be on guard, be on your guard uh, uh, topic, because it is very important uh, for us to understand that. There are many things that, again, have been warned about in the Bible and that it is our responsibility as believers to guard our faith, right? Like, ultimately, nobody can guard my faith better than myself, and as an adult, of course, because as parents, we're also responsible for our children. But as, a, as an adult, as a believer, I am ultimately responsible for my faith and for guarding it, protecting it, you know, feeding into it, taking time. And um, this has been, for me, very real this past week because um, I've had some health issues come up uh, with my kidneys. And so I'm actually later today going in for a CT scan. So I appreciate your prayers for that. For those of you who um, are getting this message today, if you can be, be in prayer for that and for just for. Um, Wisdom and to find out what's going on. I had some elevated numbers, but I had come off the ministry trip last week and then got sick, and then after I got sick, I started um, having these issues. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, it, it, you know, w- when when life hits and challenges hit, you get to a point where you want to sometimes pull back from your faith, question your faith. Um, I've had lots of different health issues over the last number of years and by God's grace been working through each one and it gets weary. But what I notice is that I immediately get distracted and forget uh, to be in the Word. And we got to come back to the Word. The moment we realize that we got to come back to the world, to the word. And so this morning, early in the, in the early morning hours, because uh, I'm just in a little bit of, of, of lower back pain right now, um, it was just hard to sleep. And so I was just reminded by the Lord as I was praying to him, hey, you got to get into the word and you got to ground your faith and live by faith and not, from a place of fear, amen? And so just being vulnerable with you this morning and sharing that, being transparent, I should, maybe be a better word, uh, and, being, and sharing that to say, I hope that uh, really sets the foundation for what we want to get into. Before I do that, just a couple of quick things again. Please uh, visit our website that you see right here on the screen. Is our front page of our website, tillministry.com. Uh, check it out, all our content. Um, we don't have things planned yet for the new year. Actually, we do have some events planned for the new year, um, so we'll get those up soon. Also, visit our Rumble page, rumble.com slash and rumble.com slash You should be there now if you're watching us live on Rumble. If you're watching us on the website, uh, please visit that, and make sure you click follow. If you click follow, that subscribes you to our page, and you get our updates when we upload new content. Also, um, would you prayerfully consider uh, today, of course, is Giving Tuesday. Our ministry is 100% supported. Uh, let's do the other one first. Uh, it's a 100% supported by you, by our ministry supporters, our viewers. And so Giving Tuesday is today, but it's also our push for year-end giving. It makes a massive difference for us, not just finishing strong, but being able to start our year really well, especially because our travel is usually slow. Here's the website link if you want to do that, uh, tillministry.com uh, slash donate, tillministry.com slash donate. If you would prayerfully consider that as a year-end giving, any amount is, is deductible um, towards a uh, prayerfully a... Ministry that is a blessing to many. Uh, I was so grateful for our last trip. We got to speak in front of thousands of people. Uh, It was 11 different speaking opportunities over eight days and literally uh, several thousand people live in person over these events. Um, One, two, three, uh, I I think it was seven churches and so, again, very grateful for those opportunities. Praise God. But your support. We want to build this platform. We want to do even more shows if we can. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm working on another show right now with my friend Brandon House. A little different content, a little bit more on the national security side of things. So, um, again, prayerfully, would you consider that? We'll talk about it at the end of the show. I want to highlight an article. But before we get into some scripture, uh, this is the article that kind of um, put this title on my on, on my mind, uh, if we can go to the one from the Harbinger Beyond Guard. Uh, here's the article. I encourage you if you want to go read it. It's on the Harbinger's Daily. Uh, it's called Beyond Guard. The end time church is one inundated with apostasy. But in it, they actually talk about some different elements uh, written by David Regan from Lion and Lamb Ministry. Um, in it, um, we he actually talks about a few different things that are going on. It's not just apostasy that we'll highlight in a minute, but it's several things that I think are important to recognize as all multifaceted attacks against the church and against God's children, against believers and our children, um, and the... The warnings that I've recently had from the book of Jude in order to contend earnestly for the faith dealt, and I've been dealing a lot, with the licentiousness, the lewdness, the, the, the acceptance of sexual immorality that is in the church now. You know, we've accepted homosexuality. We've accepted now, uh, to some extent, transgenderism. Um, I think homosexuality is now the majority of the Western churches. Again, I'm using the word church very loosely. But the licentiousness will continue where we won't even call out obvious things, affairs, adultery, uh, pornography, um, things that many Christians are struggling with and dealing with. So he starts an article talking about, obviously, apostasy. And so there's a few verses that are highlighted here, Uh, of course, Matthew 24. Jesus talks about uh, as the signs of his coming and the signs of the end of the age that many will fall away from the faith and be offended. They will will actually um, be uh, completely so angry with one another that they will turn on one another. Um, you know, it's the the, the word scandalize is the word there in the Greek. That's what I was trying to think of was there the words scandalizo. To be offended means that you're creating a scandal and then that offense usually will lead to betrayal. And I think many of us have experienced that and particularly within the churches. So We have to be on guard for offense. Um, Lately, without sharing too much, some people emailed me and were were upset with me. And it's my responsibility then to deal with that. The the way that they responded was not done, I believe, in in a honoring way or even a Matthew 18 way, but My response now is I've I've written back to them and I'm trying to say, listen, um, instead of reacting this way, if there's something that's there, please let me know. If I've offended you, let me know because we cannot hold on to offenses. It will lead to a scandalization and a tumultuous aspect of our faith. It will affect you if you hang on to offense. Bitterness, anger, frustration, walking away from things. So the falling away doesn't happen immediately, right? It's not just boom, something happens, and now I've fallen away from the faith. There's other things that precipitate it, like unforgiveness, like being offended. So I want to encourage you. As, 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 as much as, it, as the Bible says, as much as it concerns you, be right with one another. If you, if, if, if you can do your part to go to a brother, go to a sister, and I'm talking about within the context of relationship, because uh, I hear this all the time. You know, if I, I've been calling out Andy Stanley, for example, for years. People say, well, how come you don't go talk to him? I don't even know Andy Stanley. I've never met him personally. I went to his church once and the Lord used one of his sermons to save me 24 years ago when before he had completely gone off the rails. But that's not the context of Matthew, 5, uh, Matthew 18. The context of Matthew 18 is within the church, within, within your church, your community, to go to one another. Now, because when someone's already public, when they're already a public figure and they're publicly putting things out there, consumption and that content is not truth, well, they're fair game to be criticized or corrected publicly because it's already out there, it's already public, it's not a private matter. Matthew 18 is dealing with a private matter. And so when, when there's a private matter, we go to that. Now, also it says, likewise, Paul said that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until there is a great falling away or a great apostasy. So we know in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 that this has to happen sadly. I mean, that's sad. That's, we know that the Bible has said this will happen in the last days. So I think what we're seeing within so many Christians moving away from their faith to one degree or another and not be on, being on guard. Again, if you joined us late, the topic of our show today is to be on guard Regarding dangers within Christianity, be on guard for those things that are within—not from out, not just from outside, but from within—that are there, that can really, really de- do damage. Now, of course, Second Timothy chapter three—if you turn with me to Second Timothy chapter three—you know this is the verse that talks about the list of things that are there. I'm going to um, go there myself. And the list of things that the Bible warns about as far as perilous times and perilous men. And we've covered this many times, and it goes through that, you know, in the last days, perilous times will occur. And then it goes about men would be lovers of selves. And there's a long list there. I'm not going to go through it right now, but verse 5 is the end of it. That... All of this leads to having a form of godliness, but rather denying its power and from such people turn away. So when the scripture is warning us about that there are those who are going to hold to a form of religiosity, uh, spirituality, but yet they're denying the power of God because they're denying the truth of God. Because again, there is no power without the word. The word has power. Um, he's talking about in the article that he believes that the fulfillment of this prophecy began in the 1920s with the ascendancy of the German school of higher criticism. This school of thought, which quickly swept American seminaries, advocated that the Bible should be approached like any other piece of literature, with a critical eye. The concepts, now this is it, look, look, look how the enemy has been attacking the truth and the word of God within for years for decades not just something that just happened the concept of, the concepts of the special inspiration and inerrancy of the bible were rejected so the school of higher the german school of higher criticism began to infiltrate into american seminaries and teach the idea that the bible is not inerrant And it does not have special revelation. It is historical in some aspects. It is folklore. Um, It is not scientific. And so this began this assault. The Bible became viewed as man's search for God rather than God's revelation to man. You see the difference there? Rather than God deciding, the Father deciding that through the Son and the Holy Spirit He's going to reveal His Word, His revelation from beginning to end. From from Genesis to Revelation. And much, much... And that's why I always tell people be careful about extracurricular books like the Maccabees or the book of Enoch that has supposedly three different books, um, be careful. All of those must at least coexist with canonized scripture. And the moment we get into the idea that now those become canonized, is problematic as well. But the biggest idea is the enemy twisting. Did God, remember in the, in the garden, it goes back to the first lie. Did God really say Hey, Eve, did God really say don't do this? Lately, I've been telling my children, like, if I ask you to do this, it's not a suggestion. As your dad, I'm asking you do this, do that, put that away, turn the TV off, uh, clean up your toys, please clean up your room. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, I'll get to it when I feel like it. If you're under my home and I'm still your father and I'm still responsible for you, you're under my covering, you're still under the authority of your mom and dad and therefore... You need to please do what you're asked to do. Did your dad really, did dad really say? Did mom really say? Did God really say? And so it became switching. Man looking for some way for God rather than saying, no, God revealed himself. And so now the Bible becomes myth and legend and superstition. And this opens the floodgates for the falling away, the great falling away that has been prophesied. Again, 2 Thessalonians, Matthew, um, in, the, in the book of um, 2 Timothy as well. So, in fact, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter um, 4. Because, remember, this says, Preach the word. In season and out of season to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So doesn't that communicate? Be on guard, don't get tired, stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the truth. These are days, folks, that we gotta like soak in the truth, and sometimes it's tiring because there's just such an onslaught of the deception and the lies and the corruption and the evil. So we got to stay in the truth, soak in it, stay in the bath, so to speak. But I don't want lukewarm water, amen? I want hot water to be hot. Verse three then says, for the time will come. Why do you do that? Look at, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers in accordance to themselves." So why is Andy Stanley have one of the second or third biggest churches in America and one of the largest churches in the world, if you look at his global audience? because. The people want that. He would not be spouting the the deception and the false teaching that he is unless the audience was there. He's accommodating the culture that's around him rather than pleasing the father that he was supposed to be serving as a believer. And many now are saying, as I do believe, that he is now a wolf in sheep's clothing because the evidence is so overwhelming. And then if you turn to uh, 1 Timothy with me, uh, let me, sorry, get this plugged in here, Um, you'll see that this is again where Paul says, now the Spirit express." this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, sorry, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. That depart is the word for ephestime, apostasy. Giving heed to the deceiving spirits or lying spirits, some translations say. So it's a spirit that lies, that's that's fork-tongued, double 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 speak, right? Double speak um, and doctrines of demons. Woo! So these are not doctrines of truth. They're doctrines of demons, meaning that it is from Satan. It's from the pit of hell. It's demonic. We would say demonic. When you see false teaching, ultimately false teaching is a doctrine of demons. Now, there could be error in teaching. So maybe you teach, you make a mistake and you immediately want to correct it, go back to the word of God, you correct it. But when you're talking about continual false teaching, for example, God is absolutely okay with homosexuality. That is false teaching. You can be a Christian and homosexual at the same time. That is false teaching. You may be a Christian that struggles with lust. And lust can take different forms. So there could be lust over pornography. There could be lust um, just over women, as a man over a woman, or a woman over a man. The opposite, where you're, you can't control your eyes, you can't control your thoughts, you're struggling. Um, those lusts, um, as long as we're repentant and coming back to truth and working, on our sanctification do not preclude you from being a Christian. If it's unrepentant now, we have a problem, because you're showing that there's no sanctification. There's no life if it's unrepentant. And therefore, you can also struggle theoretically with same-sex lust. So I think I'm lusting after a man as a man. Okay, but if you're now acting on lust and unrepentant, again, you're showing evidence that you're not a believer. Because, um, or potentially showing evidence, I should say, that you're not a believer. Because now to say I'm a Christian, but I am homosexual, I love it, I'm I'm in a homosexual relationship, now that is communicating that you're violating the word of God clearly, knowingly, and claiming that God is okay with it. Guess what? Those are all doctrines of demons. The element element of what I deal with, claiming that Christianity has common ground with Islam or with Mormonism or with Jehovah's Witnesses, and he, he talks about that in the article, by the way, um, so let me get back to this real quick before I jump on. 1 Timothy 4 again, because it says, doctors of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, meaning that they're so seared, their conscience is so bad, it's so dead, it's been burned so much that there's nothing. There's no conviction. There's no um, guilt even, shame even to what they're doing. They're unashamed of what they're doing. Um, And of course, in the context, it gives some examples in verse 3. But I want to go back to the article real quick, because he then talks about not just again the, the, the element of the apostasy, but he goes into things like the occult. And I would consider that also with, again, what I was talking about with Islam or with Jehovah's or Mormonism. So he's actually talking about, for example, he doesn't bring up Islam. I deal with Islam. Most Christians won't touch it because I deal with Islam because Islam is a cult. It's cultism. It's a doctrine of demons. It's an antichrist spirit. And so for Christians to talk about, we have common ground, common word, Abrahamic faith. All of that is leading to a cultism. You're being deceived by a cult, by that spirit. Um, again, this is what was in 1 Timothy 4 that I just mentioned. In the 19th century, we saw the rise of Mormonism and its demonic teaching, a doctrine of demon teaching that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, that he was created, one of thousands of gods created by the super-god Adam, an exalted man. That is at the foundation of Mormonism. You may have not known that. So obviously, number one, Adam is not God. Number two, he was never exalted as God. He fell. He's the man that brought death into the world. The first Adam, right? Christ comes as the second Adam to bring life, eternal life and redemption. And the teaching of Mormonism is that he's created. And this is the problem. Any teaching that says Jesus was created. So He's not divine. He's not a deity. He's not God incarnate. It is a doctrine of demons. It's unscriptural. It's unbiblical because the Bible clearly teaches His divinity. So that's a problem. If that's what you're after, you need to repent. That's wrong teaching. Um, So that leads into the idea that they believe, people, Christians will say, well, Jesus is my Messiah, he's my Savior, but I don't consider him God. So there's no lordship in their life because he's not divine. Then you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, who perverted the teaching that Jesus is the archangel Michael. And all the whole thing with the 144,000, they believe they're part of the 144,000. I'm like, I remember, I remember one time asking a Jehovah's Witness, "Aren't there more than 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses?" So like, if there's 100, if if if, the, if that's the 144,000 the Book of Revelation talks about that are supposed to be Jewish from the 12 tribes of Israel, and they claim that's them. If there's more than 144,000, and you're coming after that, and becoming a Jehovah's Witness, then you get in? Are you part of the elect? Because I thought there was only supposed to be 144,000. But there was no good answer because it's a doctrine of demons. Um, so the article talks about that in this century, we've seen the increase. The rise of Mormonism was in the 1800s, then Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and now, of course, with the, with the massive expansion of Islam globally uh, that, of course, has been for 1,400 years. We see Christian um, leaders advocating ancient shamanistic practices of visualization uh, as the key. They will destroy biblical meditation to meditate on the word and they'll turn that into um, self-meditation to meditate on the self, what's within. I've heard this all the time, like the truth is within you. No, the truth is not within you. If you're not a born again believer, the truth is not within you. The only reason as a born again believer, the truth is within me is because the Holy Spirit came within me when I was born again. And now being born again, I now um, am um, able to discern the truth when I read the word of God. Does that make sense? And so this is really important to understand that we have to, again, be on guard for even phrases like that. Oh, hey, it's okay. The truth is within you. And our response is, no, only the Holy Spirit leads me into all truth. Now, once I have the Holy Spirit, once I have the Word of God, then the truth is within me. But if you tell an unbeliever, that Christianity supports the idea that the truth is within you, wrong. So it goes on. Um, Let's cover a few more here. Again, um, we see now, um, of course, the rise of Satanism. That's obvious, should be obvious. Uh, But here's another one that they covered in the article that they claim we do not owe our salvation to the blood Jesus shed on on the cross, even though that's exactly what Jesus said, and that's what we do when we take the Lord's Supper, because by His blood, we were given remissions of our sins, forgiveness of our sins. But because Jesus went to hell for three days and was tormented, they claim, at the hands of Satan, and that's why we have salvation. No, the salvation was upon His death, burial, and resurrection, but by his blood we are saved and forgiven in believing in what he's done. And then, of course, they talk about masonry, the oldest form of cultic penetration of the church with secret blood oaths, works, salvation, and universalism. Universalism is completely demonic, teaching the concept that all ways lead to God. Um, Ecumenicalism is demonic. Teaching that there's truth in all religion, but not all truth in all religion. Meaning that each religion has a piece of truth. We put them together as ecumenicalism, there's equality. So from Judaism, from Hinduism, from Mormonism, from Buddhism, from Taoism, from Baha'ism, from Christianity, from Islam, from Sufism. And if we do all of that together, we find our truth. Lie. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, Then we get into the next thing he talks about is confusion, that doctrinal error. Again, this is what I was talking about earlier. A part of this is just doctrinal error where we start teaching things because it's not sound doctrine. It's like close, partial, sounds good, tickles your ear. Again, 2 Timothy 4, or uh, yeah, 4, but you go, it's not sound doctrine, it's doctrine but it's not sound. This is why we got to dig in. This is why we got to make sure that we are really uh, paying attention to that. That's right. Somebody said online, Satan loves perversion and leads to many astray. Absolutely. He perverted God's design. He perverted God's even plans for himself as the angel of light. And so this is how he... Works, churches claiming that they're now um, social justice—they're affirming churches, like what with what happened at at um, North Point Andy Stanley's church with his unconditional conference recently, affirming LGBTQ plus plus a children, bringing homosexual speakers who are in homosexual marriages. And supposedly because they're married to another dude, that makes it okay, Andy. Shame on you how far you have fallen. I'm so glad your dad is now in heaven. Um, so it goes on. And then here's a few other things that you may hear, some confusing things. Uh, for example, faith is to be placed in you and not in God. Well, that should be obvious, right? No, we place our faith in God. We place our faith in His work, not our work. It's always God's will to heal. We hear this a lot in prosperity churches. you got to be careful with the word of knowledge. I believe in a word of knowledge. I believe in biblical prosperity for His kingdom's sake, not for my sake. But the idea that God must heal everybody. Wrong. There are times, God is a healing God, right? Jehovah Rapha. But there are times that he chooses not to heal. We've all lost loved ones. And we've prayed and prayed and interceded and fasted and done everything we could. And including medicine. Because sometimes God chooses to use medicine. And I don't mean just pharmaceuticals. But the people still perish. And perfectly they perish as a believer because we know that they're now, apart from the body, they're with Christ. Um, so that is unbiblical to say God will always heal. Uh, this is one that is interesting because it says the believer has the authority of Jesus so all authority has been given to me on heaven and on in, in heaven and in, and in earth. That's what Matthew twenty-eight starts with, right? The Great Commission. So the key here is that we're given authority in Him, but it doesn't mean that I have all authority. If He chooses to act, Christ has authority, all authority, and in the name of Jesus, I can exercise authority in the things that scripture tells me to exercise. We got to be careful because some people say, well, I bind Satan. Well, I don't have the power to bind Satan. Only the Lord has the power to bind Satan. Now the Bible says I can rebuke Satan. So I do have the authority to rebuke the enemy, to rebuke demons. I can pray that Jesus would bind demons. I can't bind the demon. So I got to be, we got to be careful with that. Here's another one. It is God's desire that believers be financially prosperous, right? Again, what does that mean? What does that look like? God provides. But does that mean everybody is to be wealthy? Does that mean everybody is to be a millionaire? To have a huge house and big cars or fancy cars? or And, how, and if you, God gives you great amount, what are you doing with it? And then um, another one can be, again, based on the idea of positive confession. If I just always talk positively, nothing negative will happen to me. That's unscriptural. Because we're told we're going to suffer. We're told we're going to go through persecution. We're told we're going to go through um, being hated. We're told, we're told that um, we're going to be sabotaged. You know, people will take offense and betray you. That's what Jesus predicted, again, in Matthew 24. And then finally, here's the last one, worldliness. The fourth characteristic prophesied about in the church in the end times is that it will be a compromised and corrupted and worldly church. Of course, the best best example of that is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22 with the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. These are the seven churches that are depicted in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation the seven periods of church history. These were literal churches, and I believe they're... So they're not just describing literal churches, but they're also describing seven church ages or periods, which means the last church age or period before the return of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, is a lukewarm Laodicean church that Jesus is going to spew most of them out of his mouth. And remember, this is so pathetic because... They're apathetic, they're lukewarm, and here's what they declared in that context in Revelation 3. They declared, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. I think that's so consistent, particularly of the Western church mentality. I only need God when something goes wrong. But if things are going great, making lots of money, Got nice stuff. I'm healthy. Why do I need God? And so that condition, here's what Jesus responded You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Five descriptions being wretched. Miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Because it talks about that you ought to have the white garment, but you don't. Go buy one. Well, what is the white garment? It represents salvation. The white garment is the garment that we get when we're blood-bought. Because before that, our garments were filthy rags, the Bible says. But now, as you're blood-bought, you now have a new garment, a white, beautiful garment, because you've been washed and renewed by the blood of of the Lamb. You could wear the best clothing on the outside and be wretched on the inside, right? But you could be born again and filled with the Spirit on the inside and have rags on the outside, on the outside, and still be a child of God. And so in fulfillment of prophecy, I believe we are seeing in the last days, as we are in these last days, the fulfillment of all of these things, the apostasy, the cultism, acceptance of cultism, New Age spirituality—you got to be very careful. Again, contemplative, contemplative prayer, um, the acts that you see, for example, with Bethel sometimes, and 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 the elements of New Apostolic revel, uh, uh, Reformation and Kingdom Now theology, which teaches that you can. Um, that we're in the kingdom now and we're going to rule and reign and we are kings and priests. Physically, we're going to be kings and priests um, and, um, you know, name it and claim it. All of these things we have to be careful for. Doing things like Bethel was doing with, instead of tarot cards, they were doing these destiny cards. Why would we take something supposedly to reach those people in that area of deception and, 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 and Christianize it, supposedly, when it's a demonic activity? You don't redeem demonic activities. Jesus has come to destroy demonic activities. Amen? And so we must all, again, one more time, please, dry up, be on guard. All. Be on guard. And that's really the, 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 the crux of the message today I wanted to bring to you that let's make sure that we're in the word. Let's make sure that we're on guard for our faith from worldliness, from, from, from false doctrines and false teachings, doctrines of demons, all these things that I mentioned today, multiple. And I, I know you could probably think of 10 more, hundred more examples, but yet it is so important, so important to be on alert, be on guard, like a, like a watchman. Oh, okay. I see, I see that one. Oh, I see that one. And you have to be. And we have to be over our homes. We have to be over our children all the time. Now, I want to quickly shift focus. Um, just wanted to give you my quick thought on... Um, The situation with Israel, let's bring up that uh, Times of Israel, please, if we can, Dariah, about the ceasefire, if you have that one. Um, This is the one, folks. um, The first ceasefire that was four days that was formulated from outside pressure um, between Hamas and Israel has now been extended, which is exactly what I was concerned about. Um, There's another group that has been freed so, um, by I think Wednesday night, another twenty. This totals. I'm trying to think how many. Um, the initial one was I think, I think was for 50 or 52, 53 women and children. And in the first four days, they released. 30 Israeli children, 20 Israeli women, 10 of them mothers of freed kids, as well as an Israeli Russian man set free as a gesture to Moscow, 18 foreigners, which included seven um, Taiwanese, one Filipino, and that was released as part of a separate, supposedly Iran broker deal. Now Iran's trying to wash their hands. they weren't the masterminds or, or, or the motivating force and the funding force. Them and Qatar um, both should be right now under um, international pressure. Uh, what, they, what, what they should have been doing is putting pressure on Hamas to release the prisoners because this is terrible, because in return, at least 150 female And underage Palestinians serving time in Israeli prisons for trying to kill Israelis have been freed. Various attempts to commit acts of terrorism, be a suicide bombers. Um, There's a gal that actually burned her face um, and and, and stabbed a IDF soldier who's still recovering. And she was freed. Is this going to be worth it? Uh, the so-called ceasefire, which now allows Hamas. Uh, my friend Dick Manasseri, Dick, if you're listening, thanks for sending me the link to uh, Carolyn Glick. Uh, she's an Israeli journalist, author, did a great analysis. If you go to Carolyn Glick, G-L-I-C-K, look her up. Did a great analysis on what a disaster she thinks this is going to be potentially every other prisoner exchange and ceasefire with Hamas has been a disaster. This gives Hamas time to come out of the tunnels, regroup, move, uh, use human shields again, get into ambulances. She was going through all the stuff about different things that they will do to completely regroup through this. And then she was very concerned that there'd be international pressure to keep extending, keep extending the ceasefire until it becomes permanent, and now Israel has lost. Because if they do not wipe out Hamas, I didn't say Gaza, and I didn't say the so-called Palestinians, which are Arabs, I said Hamas. And every bit of their terror tunnels and every bit of their supply chains and their finances, but that's why they have to be able to have sanctions right now in Iran again, which Biden took off. Biden has brought given back so much money to Iran that's why they got to be able to put sanctions on Qatar, on Yemen. Um, folks, prophecy is lining up because Russia continues to support um, Iran. Russia continues to support Turkey. Turkey keeps threatening uh, that they're going to bring, um, as part of the ceasefire, they want to bring ships through the naval blockade because remember, Israel has a blockade since, since Hamas has been ruling Gaza as a terrorist organization. Israel, even though they have autonomy within Gaza, Israel has the autonomy within the borders, the waterways. And they have been blocking ships and checking ships to make sure there's not weapons or ammunition or whatever on it for Hamas. Um, Turkey is threatening to ram through that. So bottom line, I think this is a terrible idea. I understand. I know. I understand. Like I, th- I thought about myself. Like, what would I do if that was one of my children? Wouldn't I do everything? Listen. I hope this is the right decision. But I hope that this is a temporary ceasefire, and they get enough of these people out. Hopefully, all of them. But there should have already been pressure. It's been 53 days since the attacks on Israel, uh, October 7th, and there's been barely any pressure from the United Nations, the world community, other countries, other Arab nations. Why? Are you not um, condemning Hamas for having hostages and giving the... Why? Why does it have to be a prisoner swap? I would have accepted this if this was a ceasefire for prisoner exchange. Again, to Carolyn Glick's uh, point, which she brought history of these type of prisoner exchanges. And in fact, she said one of the top Hamas leaders that was the mastermind, one of the masterminds behind this attack on October 7th was freed in a previous prisoner exchange. Israel was so desperate to get people back, they gave up hundreds if not thousands of prisoners. And one of those prisoners, folks, one of those prisoners was um, and, or, or is one of the masterminds of this attack. You think they go back to, you know, a life of no terrorism, no Jihad. No, they go back further empowered. Look what we got. We do this. We kill Israelis. We get this. We take hostages. We get, look, look what we get. It's like children having a demonic temper tantrum and giving into it. Eventually, I don't know. Um, so they're extending the peace fire, um, now another two days. And I think it's a terrible idea to keep extending it. I think the pressure should have been release all of the hostages, but they're being used as human shields, just as they use their own people as human shields. They're being used as human shields so that there are certain areas because Israel knows where these hostages were. Many of them were in the tunnels under probably like Shafia Hospital and things like that. And Israel can't hit those because of those hostages. And Hamas knows that. It's barter, right? It's, it's leverage. Um, so, and by the way, by the way, real quick, Dryah, can you bring up that Pamela Geller? Um, they broke their ceasefire in the north. Look at this Pamela Geller article. Uh, Hamas breaks ceasefire, bombs IDF troops in the north. So the more Israel gives in, the more it's going to backfire. And so this is three more explosions that um, were detonated near IDF troops in two different locations in the northern Gaza Strip. In one of those locations, terrorists also opened fire at troops. A number of soldiers were lightly injured, according to Israel War Room. Israel War Room. Uh, I'm going to go to that just to double check this for you guys to make sure. Oh, it's on, it's on uh, X. Yeah, Israel War Room breaking. Hamas breaks ceasefire by attacking Israeli troops. IDF, over the last hour, three different explosion, explosive devices were detonated adjacent to IDF troops in two different locations in the northern Gaza Strip, violating the framework of the operational pause. In one of the locations, terrorists also opened fire at the troops who responded with fire. So why would you be surprised that Muslims would make an agreement and break an agreement? Look, the Prophet did it over and over and over again. And that's what Muslims do. That's what Islam is. It's a deception. It's a lie. And all they're doing is getting time to regroup so they can attack. And yes, praise God, these children are home. Praise God, so many have been released but they should have been released through other means by Arab nations putting pressure on this godforsaken uh, people group called Hamas and the deception of the people group that are supposedly called Palestinians, which doesn't exist. And then finally, I want to just cover this very quickly. If you cancel, if you condemn Hamas, you now get canceled. We're going to go through these very quickly, uh, Dry. Let's go to the USC professor. John Strauss is a tenured professor right here. Let's bring this up, please. He's a tenured professor of economics at the University of Southern California. Uh, Crossing the campus in late November, he came across a pro-Hamas demonstration. Being pro-Israel, he proclaimed aloud his hatred for Hamas, the group whose operatives on October 7th beheaded babies, burned children alive, blah, blah, blah. Um, Spencer wrote that after he made his remarks, he was barred from campus. What? What? Jewish USC professor barred from campus after criticizing Hamas, according to the Israel National News, November 22nd. The University of Southern California has banned a Jewish professor with tenure from teaching on campus for the rest of the semester for criticizing the Hamas terrorist organization. Wow. It was was a protest called Shut It Down for Palestine on campus. Um, And he yelled, shame on you, Professor Strauss. Oh, no. Uh, The demonstrators accused Strauss of stepping on a list of people killed in Israeli airstrikes in Gaza and yelled, shame on you. The professor responded, no, shame on you. Your your people are, are ignorant, really ignorant. Hamas are murderers. Hamas, not Palestinians. He said, Hamas are murderers. That's all they are. Everyone should be killed. And I hope they are. Talking about Hamas. And they banned him. Here's another one. In the UK, let's go to that one very quick, Jariah. We're almost out of, we're out of time. UK labor counselor resigns under pressure after sharing anti-Hamas article. A labor counselor has been subjected to a vicious local backlash after posting uh, an article online that argued Hamas is no good for Palestinians and no good for Jews. Uh, Waltham Forest counselor Kara Lewis has been forced to resign. This is what happens, folks. Condemn Hamas. Now we're in the canceled culture because it's all about protecting Islam. And then finally, look at this one, Biden. Bring this one, please, up, Jariah. Biden apologizes to Muslim leaders in the U.S. for questioning the Hamas death toll. Because he questioned. He questioned how many... um, According to Fox News, Biden offers apology to Muslim American leaders for questioning Hamas death toll. President Biden reportedly issued an apology to several prominent Muslim American leaders after openly questioning the accuracy of the death toll figures from Gaza. Because we should believe Hamas, right? So, so if you don't believe Hamas, that 10,000 children were killed or whatever, maybe it's not that many, but, but 10,000 have been killed and 4,000 of them are children, and, and it was all Israel and... And, and even just like they lied about the, 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 the missile that was shot by Hamas that blew up the uh, parking lot of the Shafia Hospital, which they initially blamed on Israel and the world bought it. Oh, believe everything they say. Question them, Biden. The Muslims call you out. Now you gotta, oh, so sorry, Muslim. Don't wanna offend the Muslims. No, never offend Muslims because you'll be charged as a terrorist under the National Security Council For under under the Patriot Act, for Islamophobia. Because that's what the White House wants to do. Unbelievable. The shamefulness of this nation and our fear of Islam. By the way, isn't that a rational fear? That it's not Islamophobia. That's a rational fear, folks. All right. Covered a lot today. Thank you for being with us today. I want to thank you again for your support of the ministry. I want to encourage you one more time before we leave. Um, would you prayerfully consider that year end giving? It makes a huge difference for us folks. And we're just about to go into December. It's Giving Tuesday. And so you can go onto our website. Let's go to that other image, please. And make a secure donation one time tillministry.com slash donate. Tillministry.com slash donate. Secure donation if you want to do it that way. If you'd like to mail in a check, um, let's go up to the screen with our address. Uh, It's P.O. Box. So if you want to do a check so that we don't lose a percentage, especially if you want to do a larger amount, um, we prefer a check if possible, if you're doing a larger amount. Truth and Love Ministry, you can make the check out the Truth and Love, TIL or Truth and Love Ministry, P.O. Box. Hold on, son. I was about to give the address there real quick. PO Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. Again, PO Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. We're so grateful for your year-end uh, giving. Um, we're, we're very grateful because it sets up, takes care of our expenses year-end and sets us up really well in January. Also because January typically, um, December and January are very slow months in our ministry for travel. Um, I am gonna be traveling a little bit in January, but not a lot. And so, you know, things pick up again in February. So it really helps us with our budgeting and, and, and um, keeping the account going as, as everything is going up. It's unbelievable. Of course, your utilities are going up, your expenses are going up, everything is going up. Food, inflation, hyperinflation, thanks to Bidenomics, but prayerfully, as you consider this request before the Lord, if He moves on your heart, uh, please make a generous donation to this ministry. Consider us. If you're considering ministries, consider us. uh, Prayerfully, we're on the front lines of things, folks, and we're going to be truth tellers. Thank you so much tonight, today for being with us here on Truth Today. I'll be back with you, Lord willing, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, for our live show, Pastor Sharon Media, saying God bless you.